Kia and welcome to GST Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Trinity St. David's Union. I'll now hand you to your hosts, Sophie Evans, Neil Burton and Ewan Pitts. You're Ewan Pitts. Oh, thank you. Who am I? Sophie Evans. Ah. Who are you? I'm Neil Burton. Oh, really? right. Yeah. <laughs> How can we be sure? Oh, you can see me. We need blood tests and you Yeah, we can see please. you. Yeah. What if we're listening to this? Um, my, This is my voice. <laughs> this is my voice. This is what it sound like. If you hear another Neil Burton and he doesn't sound like this, it's probably not the same one. Please get in contact. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> We've that, been looking for him. Well, I don't understand why anyone would have to make that disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what if someone was making rogue podcasts with my name? It's <laughs> 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 just, just, just making racist remarks and uh, <laughs> slurring everyone. <laughs> Shouting at the lecturers. So how is everyone? Very well. Good. I'm good, yeah. Awesome. I am well too, if not a little <laughs> bit stressed. A little bit stressed. Why? Yes. Oh, dissertation. Uh, All that malarkey. I remember mine. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> the good two days you spent on it. <laughs> yeah, intense oh. two days. What mm. happened hasn't have helped with the no. dissertations recently is we've had strokes, haven't we? Mm. Oh, yeah, of course. And that's a great link into our next segment. 60 Second News Blast. Airstrikes in Libya will continue until Colonel Gaddafi meets UN terms as program forces are intensifying their attacks on the Libyan rebels. Civilian casualties are on the rise. Staff at Fireballs Universities have staged walkouts in protest over pension pay. The universities involved are Swansea, Bangor, Cardiff and Aberystwyth and Lampeter. Japan and the world at large is still being affected by the after effects of the tsunami and earthquake of the 11th of March. Radiation at the Fushima plant disaster has been detected as far away as Glasgow. And a new proposal drug mules could receive lighter prison sentences. The UK Sentencing Council claims that subordinates of drug pushers are exploited. Offenders could escape prison sentences if found less than 10 grams of heroin or cocaine in their possession. And finally... Jackie Chan posted on Facebook that he's alive and well, following the internet rumours of his death. And that was the news blast. Yay! That seems to be a lot at the moment. I mentioned that one at the end about Jackie Chan. Uh, death hoaxes on the internet. This is really popular at the moment. Uh, I mean, you, a lot of you heard about JD. Yeah, from, from yeah, uh, Zach Braff. Uh, yeah. he, he had one recently, didn't he, as well? Though, uh, he actually gets to go on the internet and apologise. Uh, yeah, I am still alive. There's one in Australia as well, wasn't there? Um, yeah, that was Jeff Goldblum. That was about a year ago. Uh, they apparently it must have been a slow news day. They thought that Jeff Goldblum had died, <laughs> so they they the, it was an internet death hoax. They just read it on Twitter, and then they thought, right, we'll run with this story, and they just showed clips of the fly. So anyone watching it would have assumed he died like that, <laughs> probably. Just like uh, Jeff Goldblum died horrifically today, <laughs> turning into a giant fly. This news, this new disease pandemic is spreading across the oh, world. Yeah, much more freaky is the fact that someone took the time to take a camera and film him dying like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, you you talking about? You've been talking recently in your music section about the death of something, haven't you? Oh, thank you very much. Yes, we uh, pre-recorded this section, so you already know about it. Uh, but yeah, I discussed the death of the Welsh music scene. Uh, basically, uh, on Radio Cymru uh, last week, they had a whole. Two, three hours just discussing. Uh, they had a panel in of Welsh music experts discussing the death of the Welsh music, the Welsh is, rock scene. This is Welsh language rock, isn't it? Oh, this is Welsh it, yeah. language rock, yes. Um, so, uh, I've uh, w- probably the catalyst for this was um, the death of, uh, well, the demise of Dead With on Dr. Gonzo. I know you're looking at me like you want to say Stuart Capel here, right? Um, but no, uh, it was uh, it was the uh, demise of the the Welsh ska rock band uh, Dead With on Dr. Gonzo. I think they kicked all this off because uh, a lot of bands, they, they 
kind of come and go. They they start up, they do a few gigs, and then they disappear. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about in my music section. Uh, this band's kind of new. Probably never heard of them. Uh, it's like up to you. Why do some bands make it and others don't? Is it entirely chance that Aqua made millions being a Barbie girl when Death From Above 1979 Reuben and the Cooper Tumble Claws fizzled out like cheap sparklers? You might be huge fans of those aforementioned bands. You may have never heard of them, but everyone has heard of Lady Gaga. What singles her out? I believe it's one of two things. She's either completely manically insane in a controversy-courting train wreck way, or she's a novelty. Novelty is a cheap gimmick to fall back on. But novelty, unfortunately, sells records. Itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikinis, Bob the Builder, what's that coming over the hill? Your mother's got a penis, Mr. Blobby, is this the way to Armadillo? Barbara Streisand, and I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more. Chocolate salty balls, ring, 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 rah. We all just want to be big rock stars. We all know them. They're the cheesy ear-wigging songs that irritate most of us and amuse some of us. So that's one way of making it, by selling out to the commercial corporate juggernauts to make soulless flavour of the week pop songs. So how to make it without selling out? It's all about three things. Number one, finding your band. Remember in school when everyone you knew played guitar? You might have started a band, but the lack of drummers and bassists means you can't be picky when choosing band members even though you all have different ideas. Number two, motivation and perseverance. Motivation is at its highest at the start of forming a band, then slowly evaporates away. Sometimes you'll feel really motivated again after a good gig, but there are constant roadblocks to knock and hinder you. Number three, finding your audience. This could also be about your audience finding you. This is difficult without major financial backing, uh, marketing, management, and a polished market-friendly sound. Being weird, quirky, clever, culturally and socially relevant, and singing in a language other than English makes your chances slim. The more alternative and unique the band is, the harder it is to be discovered and crack the mainstream. Which tragically brings me to this edition of TSD Cast's Band MP3. It's by a very popular in Wales band, they're with them Dr Gonzo, who split last week. It's called Chaviach, which is a portmanteau of chav and the Welsh word aviach, which translates as disgusting or unhealthy. Hopefully, Dr Gonzo won't rest in peace forever.
Now, I don't actually speak Welsh, but I really enjoyed that track. The, just the way the language is used. I, I really like the refrain, the chorus. The, the I can't say the word. <laughs> I'm not going to try because it all sounds silly. But um, Ch-ch-ch-chaviach. Yeah, yeah but the, the, the word before it as well. The one that you, you told, told us a meaning before, before. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that, I just think that's a brilliant way to, of use of the language. And uh, it just all the way through the song. And I enjoy the style as well. But... It's never going to make the mainstream unless they make an English song, are they? Yeah. Well, they're not going to make the mainstream now as they've split up. <laughs> yeah. But not always. Some weird bands hit mainstream. Like, for example, I love Dresden Dolls and they're quite, they're not massively big, but in America they're quite big and they're always a bit weird. I, I got into the Dresden Dolls through, through a cover. So maybe that's that's like something to do. Because if, mm. you, if you cover a song, people are familiar with that song. And then if if they're familiar with that song and it's different enough from that song but still interesting, mm. then they'll want to hear more, and that's yeah. that's how I got into them. See um, the way the way I get into different bands is through friends. The only time um, I really get introduced to a new band is one of my mates goes, oh, "Have you heard these guys?" Because they know I'm into alternate stuff anyway, or, or or I'll go on someone else's playlist and then, then go flick for a couple of bands and be like, "Oh, I actually like these." Because it takes a couple of listens sometimes to get into a band. You mm. listen to something to start off with and think, "Oh, yeah." I don't like that. And then after a couple of listens, you get, you hear the style yeah. of them. Yeah, I think I think uh, in my teenage years, uh, my music taste was completely dictated by what what television channels I watched because yeah. I watched like Kerrang, mm. and then that's how I got to know like loads of bands like Corn, uh, System of a Down, Papa Roach. It was exactly the same. Yeah, it's it's just like I I got into into that kind of music that way. But then you like if you go under the layer of what's popular and what's mainstream or what who have the biggest who's got the most money and stuff. Did either of you ever find yourself flicking between Kerrang and MTV Two to try and find a song that you? Oh like? yeah, MTV Two as well. Was yeah, yeah, yeah all the I, don't know what, I, don't, I don't know about Scuzz. Scuzz had a lot more independent stuff on. Yeah, Scuzz had a lot of bands that I made their. I usually flick between Kerrang and Scuzz. Yeah, Scuzz yeah. had like, Scuzz had a lot of bands that like they were the first band to have. You remember that band Sponge? had lost had a mad crazy big hit yeah. and then disappeared again they uh, first appeared on scuzz yeah the thing the thing about scuzz was uh i i uh, by by the time that scuzz had uh become like a, a channel um i i was already working and stuff so um <laughs> yeah I, I was uh, i'm too old for scuzz i think <laughs> <laughs> um but uh q q's great yeah q was good i like listening to q yeah, Q's all right. I, I do it in work now, actually. I walk yeah, in but, uh, and kiss again, on it's, and I'm it's like, very, no, Q. It's very <laughs> middle of the road and, and kind of boring. It plays but, a yeah. mixture of everything. I don't I, know. I, it's, I, always it's, saw, I always saw Q as dad rock. Yeah, that's, that's what I yeah. mean by like middle but of the like road. I like dad rock. I like classic rock. That's what I've been brought up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the crank, crank was always more... It depends what the music's marketing for. I mean, and another thing is like merchandise, because Corn got popular because of their T-shirts, didn't they? The merchandising. Yeah, I like, I'd like. i see loads of people wearing like Corn and Slipknot and T-shirts. Iron Maiden, and I see Iron Maiden T-shirts everywhere. Yeah, the Slipknot hoodies were very popular in my school at one point. Everybody had a Slipknot hoodie and no one knew who Slipknot were. They just yeah. liked the, the 
font. I, I I remember I remember like everyone had a had a Slipknot hoodie and there's one guy with a limp biscuit hoodie and everybody hated him. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I remember we went to uh, Alton Towers once and uh, my brother was wearing a Sum Forty One hoodie. Yeah, and uh, they they would they just like come out and everybody uh, would see my brother walking around Alton Towers and stop him and just go awesome band. <laughs> see i never had a hoodie i always had t-shirts i had like green day t-shirts and queen ones for some very strange reason queen are awesome yeah you see the only band that i got into because of the t-shirt was a band called stiff little fingers oh yeah uh, which is the the if you know the irish punk band but like they i saw the the, the uh the someone told me they sounded like green day anyway and uh i saw the the t-shirt which is basically just someone flicking the v's and oh, uh, awesome. with a stiff little fingers logo around there, just written a black T-shirt, and I wore that. <laughs> I wore that T-shirt until it had holes in it. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, that that would be a dream job, though, wouldn't yeah. it? Just like designing T-shirts. Which, uh, coincidentally, uh, uh, the, the person I'm talking to in the next dream jobs does. What are the odds? This week on Dream Jobs, we have Neil Cocker, co-owner of Dizzy Jam. What is Dizzy Jam and what do you do? Dizzy Jam is a merchandising service for the independent music scene. So we enable people who make, play or promote music to create and sell merchandise to their fans without any cost or any sort of issues around stock or having to deal with the payment process or anything like that. So basically a, a band, for example, would upload their image to our site they could uh, place it on a preview of a T-shirt or a hoodie. That preview could then be sort of displayed to their fans, in a, you know, in a, in a shop of their own. And they, their fans, when they buy it, we we do all the printing and send it direct to the fan and send the profit to the to the band. Can they upload any image? I mean, logos and designs look better just by the nature of what works. So, is a T-shirt company exclusive to bands, or can an artist say he has an idea upload a picture? Yeah, I mean, we 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 we're relatively strict on that, in as much as we do only allow people to um, upload stuff if if it's music related or you know part part of their sort of um, their stable of bands or you know whatever. So, uh, there's other very generic print-on-demand services available that we we don't think are particularly good for bands partly because they don't use the highest quality materials uh, like we do um and you know they any old crap can be uploaded so you'll be on the site and you're you can have some kind of thrash metal or emo band that you take quite seriously and and you're on the same site as a 12 year old girl who's uploaded a pixie designs and a bunch of 35-year-old blokes who've uploaded stag do t-shirts yeah you know so and with us you know all the tools that we're developing are music industry specific so you can search by genre so if you just want to see dubstep t-shirts you just can look at dubstep is music still a big influence on the company yeah i mean you know music's always been my passion and i've always been involved with the music scene in one way or another so that's how the idea came to me it was just this was basically a service that i would have loved to have had myself about 10 years ago so uh, that's that's kind of why uh, I came up with the idea really there's music on in the office from the, basically from the second we get in uh, until the, the second we leave so you know it's a uh, it's a music company effectively even though on the face of it we print t-shirts uh, what we do is is all based around and informed by music oh yeah you seem to be more on the side of the bands and the record labels would you say that's true yeah yeah absolutely I mean well but for us it's we I think we, we, we feel we're on the side of anybody who's 
who's making, playing, or promoting music. Um, so, you know, in, certainly we're not, we're trying to provide a service that anybody can use, no matter how small they are. So the problem is, obviously, if you're Coldplay, you can go out and you can print 10,000 t-shirts and you know that you're going to sell 10,000 t-shirts. Um, but the vast majority of bands, and even record labels, you know, there's a lot of small record labels out there that have got a small uh, sort of fan base. If they print up, say, 100 t-shirts, which is kind, you have to start, you have to print 50 or 100 t-shirts to make it worthwhile. Otherwise, they're just too expensive. There's a real economy of scale there. Mm -hmm. um, if you print those, I know from bitter experience myself, the chances of selling them all are really, really small. Um, so we, we allow people to be profitable just through selling one T-shirt, just through selling two T-shirts. So, um, so yeah, we, we consider ourselves very much on the side of the small guy in music, whether that's a small label or a small band or a small DJ. Um, so, yeah, we find, I mean, the, the good thing is we pay direct to the artist as well. So, so if they are signed to a big label or whatever, then they, you know, depending on the nature of their contract, they can always come straight to us and, and get paid for their merch directly uh, and get paid a good percentage. You seem like, um, was, it, was it quite hard to sell? Because you seem like what you do, is you're, you're a small company that creates other small companies within yourself. As yeah, in... but I never really thought about it like that. Yeah, I mean, what, I suppose what we do is we create shops or we allow people to create shops within our system. So um, we consider our site to be a collection of shops uh, for the uh, independent music sector. But yeah, I suppose we are, we're a collection of small businesses. I mean, we've got some people who sell hundreds of t-shirts and they make a good amount of money off it. And we've got some who kind of upload, frankly, not very good designs <laughs> of, from their band or, you know, or they've only got one fan and they sell that one t-shirt and that's all they ever do. But that's fine because at least they haven't gone out and spent 400 quid printing up 100 t-shirts and then only sold one and and they've lost you know 380 quid that way so uh, do you ever promote uh, did you jam any festivals or anything like that to like uh... yeah, we have taken our kits to um a festival this summer or oh, sorry last summer called festinio yeah uh which is a charity festival which we really like um we thought we'd experiment with kind of printing on-demand live in a field kind of thing in a tent. How did it go? Uh, it went really well, actually. We we sold a lot more than we expected to. Uh, it was a lot more difficult than we expected. <laughs> um, we learned that printing T-shirts is is best done in a building where you've got a... What kind of things went wrong? Lots of it was just weather. It was There were there was some instances of rain and, you know, and, and, and wind. We were in a kind of marquee type thing. And we, you know, you just don't have the space in the to spread out we were kind of a little bit <clears throat> cramped and uh, we didn't take enough staff either really because we didn't really think about the fact that at a festival people they want to be able to buy t-shirts from kind of about 10 o'clock in the morning until about midnight we wanted to be able to make as much money for Festinio which is um, a charity festival anyway so, um, so you were up for 12 hours doing these t-shirts yeah we worked like 14 hours a day for like wow. four days or something yeah, so we worked very long days. We only had a handful of us. Uh, so it was it was kind of an interesting process. But having said that, it worked quite well and everyone loved their T-shirts and we sold loads and loads and loads. It's just, it was a lot harder work and more difficult than we anticipated. Cool. Um, well, I think that's all my questions now, unless there's anything you want to add. I'd say check out dizzyjam.com. Um, you can find us on facebook.com slash dizzyjam as well. Uh, and we're on Twitter as dizzyjam. All I want to say is that uh, 
if there's anybody listening who's in a band or runs a record label or a nightclub or an event or is a promoter, then um, then just check us out, sign up. It takes about 30 seconds to create a shop and start making money instantly. That's pretty much all I'd have to say. If you'd like to hear more from Neil, check out the aforementioned webpages and his Twitter account. I love that, Neil. Good job as ever. Yep. Have you got uh, someone lined up for next week? I am actually going to talk to, uh, hopefully, the guy who animates Sean the Sheep. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Richard Haynes. I've, I've, I've got to say, like, uh, about t-shirt as, t-shirts as well. Uh, what was your favourite t-shirt? What, as a kid? Yeah. Well, like something you just wore all the time? Yeah. Well, I mentioned this to Little Fingers one, but apart from that, I had um, one with, uh, it had a, had a horse on it, a donkey. But but the back of the donkey, and the donkey smiling around the side, and it said "nice ass" underneath <laughs> it. And for some reason, when I when I was at college, I just wore that t-shirt all the time. I don't think it was deliberate. I think I just used to get it washed a lot and then go around and wear it again. That is terrible. I know. That is that's really. So you had a your your, your favorite. It's not t-shirt. as garish as it sounds. It was like it was like really faded and old, and it was like yeah. It, so it wasn't like it wasn't like it was like a bright nice it was, ass. It's it like a grey t-shirt, and it was like I, I like yeah. Apart. It's like one of those t-shirts that I was just comfortable in. It's just falling apart. So, so you just had a t-shirt with a pun on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What 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 about you, Sophie? What was your um, favorite? item of clothing when i was very young it was like six or seven i had a mini mouse onesie which was the most comfortable thing in the world oh and i sound so cool right now i i, I bought my uh, girlfriend erica a onesie for christmas <laughs> like, a, like a grown-up like onesie i know i need I've one seen i've you seen wearing them around that. They're, they're amazing i've seen you wearing it i have worn it uh yeah. just the once and you happen to be there yeah I, I don't know how i think you were, i think i can't remember earlier in the morning you were just trying it out i think you were just trying it out see if it was your thing yeah um, <laughs> I, I, I I had a, a Mickey Mouse T-shirt I really liked that I just like wore out. It just was falling apart. I've I, I've actually handed down a T-shirt that was my favorite, um, but I kind of grew out of it to my to my brother. Um, and it was uh from the first Batman film. Like uh, it wasn't like so it's like vintage like nineteen eighty nine. Uh, one half of it's Batman's like profile like uh face facing Jack Nicholson as the Joker like side on. And uh, above it, it says, "Only one can rule the night." Yeah, I like and it. I, I, I really, I really like that T-shirt. It was, it was given to me um, by my uh, oh, my dad's cousin's son, <laughs> who came, who stayed with us when I was very young, and I, I, I barely, it's like I barely remember it, but I remember cherishing, cherishing the T-shirt. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, it was it was falling apart on me, and like I was stretching, like just getting fatter and just like growing out of it. <laughs> so I gave it to my skinny little brother, um, who's who still wears it now with holes and stuff in it. Yeah. Brilliant. Because yeah. because like I I really like vintage t-shirts. Uh, speaking of uh, Batman, I need a Batman t-shirt. I've decided <laughs> I need one, and many other comic book related t-shirts. Oh, okay. And costumes. Yeah, see, I I like it that we're kind of building up this this uh, link to this next section. I wonder what my podcast procrastination's on. Can anyone guess? <laughs> Let's find out. Hi, Sophie here with more ways for you to not do things you're supposed to do. Neil and I have to analyse a comic book pretty soon, so instead of actually looking up academic resources, we've talked about our favourite comic book characters looking at their past lives, learning about someone who doesn't even exist. Uh, So here are my top five comic book characters. Number five, Harley Quinn from the Batman comics. Joker's sidekick is fascinating and just as insane as her lover. 
I love her outfits from the game. Honestly, I want them. What really interests me, though, is her past. She was a psychiatrist that was told to learn and treat the Joker. She falls hopelessly in love with him, and Dr. Harleen Quinzel was no more. Number four, Carl Grimes from The Walking Dead. Carl is my favourite character in this comic. He's an eight-year-old boy in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. However, he is one of the only characters that doesn't lose his head. I know he's eight, he doesn't get a lot of what's going on. However, he is given a gun and knows exactly when to shoot the man that's about to kill his father. His father, on the other hand, is slowly losing his mind, speaking to his dead wife through a phone that doesn't work. Number three, Deadpool, first introduced in the comic New Mutants. Deadpool is known as the Merc with the Mouth, mainly down to the fact that he knows he's in a comic. He breaks the fourth wall to hilarious effect. For example, when noticing the dialogue boxes in one panel, he says, Are you talking to yourself, or do you see the little yellow boxes too? And takes full advantage of being a superhero. His primary power is accelerated healing. He's very strong too, but that's a given. I don't like him in the film. His mouth is all sewed up, so he can't be funny. However, he is Ryan Reynolds. Number two, Rorschach from Watchmen. A psychotic killer with his heart in the right place. I've always felt sympathy for Kovacs. I know he brutally murders people left, right and centre, but usually for retribution. This is all because of the death of Blair Roach, whose untimely murder pushed Walter over the top. He hid in the murderer's house and killed him with a meat cleaver as vengeance for the little girl. His inkblot mask is fashioned so that he can bear to look at himself in the mirror. He hates the selfishness of humanity and knows that it's within himself too. Number one, Scarecrow of the Batman comics. This guy is creepy, not only because he looks like a scarecrow with the straw hair and the sack clothing, but what really interests me is his power of choice. He uses a mixture of toxins so that you hallucinate your phobia. That's screwed up. Scarecrow used to be a psychologist, specialising in fear, till he got addicted to his own fear gas. He used to be petrified of bats, but now he is only scared of Batman. Scarecrow is addicted to fear and stalks the only thing that can give it to him. I've been Sophie Evans talking to you about comic book characters that I kind of like. I'll be talking to you next time. Bye bye. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) I enjoyed it. It was fun. I like reading comics. That is a passion of mine as well. Yeah. And I understand that you're starting to get into comics as well. Oh yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) I I, I was always into Spider-Man the cartoon. But never oh. really, uh, I never really into like uh, comics specifically. I re- I read comics, but I always read like the the British comics, like Dandy and the Beano and stuff like that. They're kind of like, Haha. yeah. So yeah, I really got into like yeah. the graphic novels as I've got older. Yeah, well, the graphic novels tend to have a different audience, and I don't know. I just never, no one ever really got me. I I owned an Evil Dead comic, mm. which was well, very obscure, which was like a one based on Ashes, Ashes like after he loses his hand and goes through time, and yet. Well, it's very weird and very obscure, fun comic, but then I never really continued because I think for to, to get into that, you really have to be quite obsessive about it, don't you? You have to yeah. want because you, you have to go and find a forbidden planet store, you have to go and find these stores and get Cardiff, the comics. I live well, I've not lived there when I go there, <laughs> I spend hours in Forbidden Planet, yeah, which is it's not easy. It's not like you can, if if I think if I was younger and it was available in a retail store, like I could just walk into like anywhere, anywhere and pick up like a, a really dark Batman novel. I would have I would have been into it, but you just can't. You have to know where they are. Yeah, you have to have some. You have to. Have, I think it's a circle of friends more than anything. So you, what your friends are into, you're into. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was into comics in a big way. Yeah. Um, I did a, I did a project, uh, an English project when I was eleven, on on comic books, and 
it was it was pretty massive. In the end, I had to just restrict myself to just DC, and then in the end, which I is the to, better one anyway? Yeah, and I, I, then I, I decided to restrict myself further because, um, like Hellblazer, when you're 11 and stuff, it's just a, a bit much, and like Sandman and 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 Watchmen and mm. all of Alan Moore's stuff. So I restricted myself to uh, the the um, basically the Saturday morning cartoon like superheroes. Mm. So so I had uh, basically the Justice League of America and <laughs> so uh, I, I did it on Batman and Superman and and then um the Joker obviously I mean it, it, I I love the Joker but um I like the Joker but it's hard he's to not my favorite he didn't reach my top he didn't quite make really, isn't he yeah he's, he's just everywhere yeah. everybody's going to love the Joker he's brilliant I think but it goes without saying that's why he's not in my top yeah, five you, I mean, you don't include the Joker he's no, there he's, anyway he's over talked about but that, uh, that that's a concept that that that's weird as well like over talked about that's just because I've read a lot about or listened to a lot of stuff about the Joker that's why I find him like um uh, like talked about well the thing much. is when, when a, as soon as a current character gets to a certain age it's hard to find out about the past of them because the, the past become there were so many rewrites of how they were starting like yeah. you, you, you get the original like 1950s ones from DC comics which are like really cheesy pasts yeah. of the characters which you're like I don't know they do because this and this and this well they still be, can be quite dark but not as dark as modern novels and then you get the newer ones, which completely just like, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to retell the story. Um, Alan Moore tends to do that a lot. Yeah. You just be just like, I don't like this backstory. And then, and then, and then you will have fans that say, no, this is the original backstory. And then the other ones yeah. like, no, this is a, how how this happened. Yeah, but they they do it with films as well. Like, yeah, they rebooted like the bat the Batman like the the original bits and they're rebooting Spider Man now. Uh. I know it's but I see called the Amazing Spider Man, which makes me think this is a bit nerdy. Is it then the one where he has the the, the technology because the Amazing Spider-Man the difference between them two obviously was the well fact the, the Spider-Man in the Sam Raimi like films, yeah yeah we had was gen- web in his yeah. hands genetically modified but this the Amazing Spider-Man was always the Spider-Man that used technology yeah he built one. built his own yeah. web slingers and stuff yeah it might be it but um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why they why they do it. To be honest, I mean, uh, I I don't see a problem with it with Batman. Yeah. Because no, Batman and Robin was just camp and horrible, and then they made Batman Begins, which is amazing, and then The Dark Knight, that, and then now they're making a, a, a third in the trilogy, and then they're going to end it after the trilogy. But they're using Bane. Yeah, but Bane they've, is, they've, but, I, but, as much but, as I love Batman, but Bane is not the best supervillain ever. But they they've got uh, Tom Hardy. Uh, mm. cast um, and I don't know if he's going to be playing Bane but um, he was in Inception and mm. he was in uh, Bronson as well the film about uh, the uh, uh, the convict um, mm. Charles Bronson um, and yeah Thomas Hardy's a he, he, Tom's a you know I'm saying Tom like he's my best mate but <laughs> I, I just I, I think he's a, he's a he's a great actor yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's that's something weird as well that they they're getting really um, you know, like top quality actors. Uh, at some point, we're gonna have to say goodbye. Okay. Um, so we might as well say it now and then carry on talking for a bit. Aww. I know, but we'll be back soon. Yay! Uh, yay! <laughs> yay! I hope everybody enjoys the uh, Easter breaks and have a uh, do some April Fools and stuff. That's always fun. Lots of work done. Do, do some pranks and also, yeah, get on with your work. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've been you and Pitts. I've been Neil Burton. I've been Sophie Evans. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Who's playing Selena Kyle? Um, I've, I've heard rumours. Who is Selena Kyle? Has, has um, been Selena confirmed? Kyle is um, Catwoman. Ah. As far as IMDB is saying, it is Anne Hathaway, which I'm slightly yeah, I don't, concerned about. <laughs> I, I read about a year ago that they were going to cast Cher. Which would be worse, okay? Oh. Anne Hathaway's a plus for Andre. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>